the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, live commentary, and long form stories than The Athletic. Check it out every day. Grab the app. It's ad free content, and you can get 40% off your first year subscription by visiting theathletic.com slash spot track s p o t r a c ramping up for college football ramping up for the nfl regular season winding down the major league baseball regular season the nba off season is of course in full swing and the nhl is right around the corner as well it's a middling time in sports where some there's some endings there's some beginnings on the on the prowess it's a good time to be reading updating and oh by the way it's fantasy time for the nfl slash nba slash nhl slash epl fans in the world. I'm going to touch on the NFL side of that just a little bit. All week, actually. I'm going to have short, quick hit podcasts this week as we kind of ramp up towards September, which is big time sports all over the place. But first, a little baseball today. I have been remiss to really kind of look back at the trade deadline. There was a lot of work. It was a lot of movement. There was an NBA free agency going on, an NHL free agency going on, and NFL roster cuts are upon us as well, not to mention some, you know, a half dozen really good size extensions in the NFL. So it was a busy time to sort of digest everything from a transactional standpoint, from a number standpoint, but I'm going to take some time right now, which I think is actually okay, right? We're, we're like two weeks removed from it. I can kind of see how things have gone a little bit. And I'm going to use standings now to sort of say, hey, you know, was it worth the move? Was it more of a long-term move? Real quickly, I'm just going to kind of roll through some of the more significant moves because there were plenty, of course, at that deadline, July 30th. Let's start with the Yankees. I killed them before the season. I killed them in the middle of the season. I, I, I follow this team. I'm not a Yankees fan, but I follow this team because they're kind of local to me. They're polarizing, and generally they spend a hell of a lot of money. So, from you know, from what I do for a living, they're of course one of the teams I have to follow closely. This trade deadline sort of made me think about the Yankees of old, right? We've had Brian Cashman and maybe the ownership sort of take a step back with this team. I'm not saying they've played Moneyball; they're still a top five payroll. They're still making the significant contracts here and there. You know, they acquired Giancarlo Stanton. There's there's plenty of fluff on this roster. There's no question about it. But the the day-to-day business of the Yankees changed significantly over the past maybe five to six years. And it didn't it didn't lead to winning. Yes, they've got they've had good years and bad years and tons of injuries. So there's plenty of excuses out there. But I just didn't think they they made the moves that big market teams have made in the past. And they certainly didn't do it this offseason as well, bringing in savvy vets with injury histories to sort of compile on to problems they've already had. And all of that sort of bared out exactly as I thought it was going to. Not at the deadline, right? The deadline, the Yankees were way back. I'm talking 10 games out of the, out of the division, you know, five games out of the wild card minimum at that point. And I'm really impressed with what the Yankees did because, oh, by the way, as we stand here today, 45 games to go or so, yes, they're six and a half out of the division. I don't think they're going to, they're going to catch the Rays, 
who have just been so damn consistently good. But they're two and a half out of the wild card, New York. They're chasing Boston for that wild card spot right now, which is super fun for baseball. They're going to play each other a ton down the stretch here. That's going to be primetime baseball, and it's must-see baseball. Chris Sale is back for the Red Sox. The Yankees don't exactly have pit reinforcements coming to their rotation. You know, Severino's been set back, things like that. But they're going to get healthier over the next month. The Yankees, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they've been so injured now over the past six weeks, the COVID outbreaks, the long-term injuries, but they did not sit on their hands. They could have easily sat on their hands like they did last year, like they did for the past couple of seasons, quite frankly, at the deadline. And they sort of used a decent offseason to make themselves better or improve or replace. This was the Yankees of old. This was Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo, two relievers, Andrew Heaney from the, from the Angels, to, to who's now like their second starter. This was what Yankees fans probably wanted out of this organization because it was, hey, this might not work this year, but now we've got an inside track to extend Joey Gallo, to replace a Stanton, to replace a, you know, a Brett Gardner, the oldest member of the team, the only left-hander at that point. And the same goes for Anthony Rizzo, who, yes, will be a free agent, who, yes, will probably have offers from many teams, but could fall in love with this organization. And they need him, right? Luke Voigt's out. They're going to find a way out on Luke Voigt, whether it's just a, a straight old, you know, non-tender this offseason or, or a simple trade this offseason. This is a, a replacement move. This is a 2022 plus move in both of those accounts. And they're upgrades. They're better bats. I'm not you know, it's not going to improve their betting average, their team average, that's for sure. But I think that kind of thinking is probably antiquated anyway at this point. I'm just impressed with the fact that they didn't sit on their hands. And whether or not it's going to work in 2021 remains to be seen. They're certainly in that wild card race. I don't know that they have the pitching at all to get to the finish line. But it's good news for baseball. It's good news for baseball fans that the Yankees are acting like a big time market at least for one week. And it's fun to watch. Yankees, Red Sox are going to matter. So if, if, if that intrigues you at all, that's must-see baseball for you. My Mets, you know, it really was the story of, two, of the two New York teams here in, in July. And those stories have rapidly changed and, and maybe turned on their heads here. You know, the Mets go and get Javi Baez from the Cubs, who certainly uh, did, their, did their share of selling. They get Trevor Williams as well. They bring in a couple of older pitchers. It's fine. You know, they gave away a huge outfield prospect, though, which is the story of the Mets' life, I guess. Javi was a rental. Javi was going to be the guy who comes in, slots in at shortstop until Frankie Lindor is healthy, then becomes the everyday second baseman, maybe moves to third at some point. He's a nice defensive player. There's no question about it. But he was regressing. He's been regressing for a year and a half in terms of that top-tier shortstops. You know, we've got a Trevor Story, Trey Turner, Corey Seager, you know, and more avail becoming available here. Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson. Where does Javi Baez fit in that conversation? At one point, he was maybe second on that list to Trevor Story. And he's not anymore. He's, he's lucky if he's fourth in that conversation right now. I think he's out of that top tier. So the Mets gave up quite a bit to get him into rent. And are they going to pay him as the starting second baseman going forward? They've got Robbie Cano under contract at a ridiculous price. They've got a couple of young kids that they could probably keep around at control over the next two seasons to sort of fill that, that, that spot. The Mets are banking on this was going to work for this year. He's injured. 
It's the story of New York baseball right now, unfortunately. And I think that's going to be a huge bust of a move, unfortunately. So I think the Mets are sliding backwards. I think there's no chance they hold on to that division lead. Maybe they can back themselves into a wild card, but that's not very likely uh, with how that NL West looks, right? I mean, the Dodgers are now the wild card. Uh, they're four back from the Giants, but they are six up in the wild card. So take it, take that for what you will. There's a there's a lot of moving parts. You know, the Cardinals and the Mets are kind of the same team right now. And I'd bet the Cardinals before I bet the Mets based on what we've, you know, what they're getting back in Jack Flaherty and just the kind of talent they have on that roster. It, it's a better mix right now. So as much as I love what, what the Yankees did and I, as much as I prefer the Mets, <laughs> I think the Yankees won out in terms of the deadline here. Speaking of those Giants who are quietly the best team in baseball, folks, it's not an accident. I don't know where it came from. I, I knew they were going to be better. I knew that they had hit on some of these kids even later in the draft and certainly some of their international players, but they just, they just made all the right moves. This Kevin Gosman situation is not going away, nor is their record, nor is their run differential, which is a plus 141, which in terms of the national league is only second to those Dodgers at plus 183. If the, the betting man in me still thinks the Dodgers win this whole thing. And without, you know, giving away too much, if we're just looking at run differential, which I do, at this time of year, because it matters. There's now a huge sample size. P teams have gone through their injury iterations, and many of these teams get healthy right about now, right at the right time to make that push through September. The two teams I bet, it's not it's not sexy. It's Dodgers, Astros. There's your run differential leaders, and it's for a reason. It's for a reason. They have depth. Neither of the team has a full roster right now. You know, who knows about Kershaw? Who knows about... Uh, you know, Michael Brantley's been injured. There, there's been plenty of injuries on both of these rosters. I just think at the end of the day, those are going to be the two teams standing because they do they are deep enough. They do have a bench that's been performing at a high level. I don't know that San Francisco has that, but man, they're fun. And it's a great story. And they added Chris Bryant at the deadline, another Chicago Cubs sell-off. This was a huge move. This was, I predicted this move. I think it's the perfect fit. I think they sign him long-term by the way. So I, I do think this is a short-term, long-term move for the Giants. And this could be one of those pieces that really makes them relevant now for the next four to five years, which they're going to need to be because the Padres aren't going away. The Dodgers aren't going away. It's fun. That That's a fun division. West Coast baseball is good stuff right now. And, I, and unfortunately, you, you know, you like to include the Angels because of Otani and Trout, but they're fourth on this list in terms of West Coast California baseball. But, you know, the whole package, that's a hell of a thing to watch right now. So good on the Giants, bringing in the piece that I think will solidify uh, a positional lineup that, look, they're going to bank on the fact that their pitchers are just going to keep doing what they're doing. It might not be enough, but they're in really good shape at 75 and 42, currently speaking. And like I said, that run differential is not an accident. And they should now score more runs with a guy like Chris Bryant in the fold. And by the way, take more runs away, whether he's the third baseman, whether he's the center fielder. It's the right move. And I'm glad that's the team that that kind of jumped on that player because the long-term on Chris Bryant, a former MVP, by the way, the long-term could be huge. I mean, a change of scenery could be exactly what the doctor ordered for that situation. And like I said, I think those two sides fall in love with each other and there are major dollars coming to Chris Bryant in the next couple of months in that San Francisco organization. So certainly that seems right. Let's go to the Blue Jays because I, let's go back to the AL East. The, 
Blue Jays are fourth. They're eight and a half out of the out of the division. They're four and a half out of the wild card. So they're they're right there with the Yankees. You know, they've kind of really turned it on here with some with some health. And they made big moves. Big moves. They gave up a ton for Jose Barrios from the Minnesota Twins, who should slot into the starting rotation. He's a number two, and he's got playoff experience. So there's a lot to like there with Robbie Ray, with Hunjung Ryu, you know, and, and a stripling situation if he can get healthy. They bring in Brad Hand. They bring in Joakim Soria. So clearly it was about adding to this pitching rotation, which was their jarring need. They have young position players all over this roster. I just don't know if it's enough. They gave up a lot. You know, the barrier situation from a contract standpoint. They get one more year of arbitration for him next year. So, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a, a hefty price for Arb3. But with so much youth, as I mentioned, they're willing to pay that. And they now have a one-two, which is good. You know, they'll bring back Robbie Ray, I would imagine. That's really worked out. That's been one of the best value free agent signings of the year. You know, you bring him back on, on decent dollars, and you've at least got two top of the rotation guys for 2022 in that regard. There's work to be done, but here's the thing. And we knew it was coming because we we saw the youth, the youth, we saw the excitement. Um, this has been a team that's been pumping out viral videos, storylines for for two, three years now. So it was right around the corner. It's here. This is going to be a destination. And the Canada thing is going to be annoying with with COVID and the pandemic and, and whether that rears its head again. But free agents are going to want to go here. They're going to see what George Springer has done. They're going to see what Marcus Simeon has done. Some of these guys that chose Toronto over many other teams, some of the bigger markets, not only are they having huge years, but they're having a hell of a lot of fun doing it. This is going to be a destination, much like the Padres were this this past offseason. And that's why the Padres decided, we'll just take everybody. You know, We've got people who want to come here over the Dodgers. We have to do it right now. I get that. I think that's going to be Toronto this winter and, and next spring. So look for some of these big names. You know, I'm even thinking like a Max Scherzer could, could choose this organization because he sees exactly what's happening. He's been down this road before. And if he's that guy, even if he's like a fake ace, you know, even if, even if he at his age with his durability situation can't hold up 35 starts, those are the kind of names that I think are going to be looking at Toronto with a ton of respect and say, look at, if you'll pay here, I'm I'm in. I'm in for a one to two year stint because there's could be some really fun, fun things happening with that organization. So again, it's it might not be about this year. They're a little bit on the outside looking in right now in, in all regards of the playoffs. But they've done enough, in my opinion. And this trade, yes, they overpaid, but that's what you do at the deadline. They've now sort of supplanted themselves for 2022 as well. They've made themselves better for next year. And I do think that'll be attractive come free agent time. So good on them. And, and the last team I really want to focus on here is the White Sox. And if you watched, if you've watched anything of this team, you know how freaking good this team is. They're loaded. They're where the Blue Jays probably will be in about three years because it, it took some time, some maturation for these youth, these kids. There's a lot of international players on this team. And quite frankly, you know, love it or hate it. They needed a grandfather to come in and sort of <laughs> round this thing together. And that's what Tony La Russa has been. Just a ton of knowledge. Cer- certainly the, this modern game eludes him a little bit. And I'm not going to fault him for that. I'm sure he's learning. He's always been an analytical guy. So I don't think any of that's you know new to him. But this is a young group of kids who can play baseball. And now you at the deadline, you say, we're going Ryan Tapera. We're going Craig Kimbrell. 
We're going to bring in a utility guy in Cesar Hernandez, which I love. He was he was having he had two great years in Cleveland. Let's be let's be frank about it. Perfect glue guy to kind of move around infield outfield. And you've got two legitimate closers in Kimbrell and, <clears throat> and Liam Hendricks. It's this is a World Series move, is what this is. They know exactly what they are. They know that Giolito's for real. They know that uh, you know many of those arms can get you four or five innings in a World Series game, and they'll be better than any other team's arm. That's just where they are right now. So it's uh, this is the team to look at. I know I, I I gave my vouch to Houston because of their experience, but if a team if you're gonna have a Phoenix Suns situation in Major League Baseball, this is it. You know, or Tampa Bay Rays two years. This is it. This is the team that has been built together. This is this is the Houston Astros of 2017. Is what this is, folks. This is they they expected to be here right now because of the work they put in, because of the pain they put in, right? That's so much losing for years and years, knowing they had to collect draft picks, collect international bonus pools. They're here. They're here, and it's Jose Abreu and a bunch of kids, and it's really working out. You know, they're going to have their goods and their bads, but the fact that they didn't sit on their hands either, because they could have, they were that good. They were, they had that much of a lead in their division. They were eyeing September and October without even having to try here, but there were probably a half dozen teams working hard to get Craig Kimbrell. And this is the team that got him. This is the team that did it. They overpaid Nick Madrigal, that kind of thing. That's what you do when you smell it, when you're not a major market team. And Chicago's a big market, but you know the Cubs have, have reigned supreme there for quite a bit now. This is how you get yourself back on the map in Major League Baseball, is you make a move like this, a move that people don't expect or people don't think you need, but it is, it is a surplus move that will be beneficial September, October, early November. That's what they're planning on. That's what this move was all about. I love it. This team's really fun. And I haven't watched enough of them, but I'm going to now. And we're not, we're not going to have a choice soon because they're going to be on the forefront of the postseason. So good on them. So that's my kind of roundup to where we are here. So let's talk real quick standings. I'm going to get you out of here. We'll talk some football. I mentioned the Yankees and, and the Blue Jays, two and a half, four and a half out of that wild card. That's sort of the path I have for them. You know, they're going to be competing with Boston. They're going to be competing with the Athletics for that wild card spot. The, the A's are two and a half out of that of Houston. Houston sits atop, the, you know, and, and then... The central division's just toast. It's the White Sox were 11 games up on Detroit and Cleveland. And both of those teams are 10 games out of the wild card. So that's pretty much all for now. The central teams are toast right now. So it's Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox for that wild card spot. It's Oakland and the Mariners sort of for that wild card spot. That's your AL lookout right now. NL East is a mess. Nobody wants to win, you know. The Braves and Phillies are now tied at five games over. Mets are a game and a half back from that division. So there's three teams who could win the division. So that's must-see baseball in August, September. No question about it. Uh, from a wild card standpoint, though, the, all those teams are four or five games back, right? The Dodgers are way, way up. So it's division or bust for any of those NL East teams. Not, not exactly the same situation in the NL Central. It's a, better, a bit of a dogfight. Uh, the Brewers are are up now eight games in that division, so they're going to win the division more than not. And they've got the pitching to kind of make a run here as well. I, I don't mean to discount them at all. Reds are two and a half games back from that wild card. I mentioned the Cardinals four and a half games back. So they're in. They're in that wild card conversation. So let's talk about divisions. Could be anybody's game in the NL East, Braves, Phillies, Mets. 
Brewers have it pretty much locked up in the Central. Giants are four games up right now in the West. But Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Cardinals, Reds, Brewers. That's kind of the, the outlook going forward here, along with those NLEs teams. So it's good. Like the expanded playoffs has worked, in my opinion. The wild cards have been exciting because if for not, you'd have four divisions that are pretty much unwatchable right now, August 15th. It's not good for baseball. So some of these things have really worked out. It's good to have, you know, 15 to 18 teams relevant right now. And it made for a hell of a deadline. And just to bring it back full circle, I, transactions matter, right? Transactions aren't just nerdy business. Transactions drive interest. Transactions, you know, change drives conversation in anything. And certainly in sports, sports fans are so passionate, so judgmental, opinionated, give them a reason to talk, you know, and that's what moves do. That's why the NBA is so freaking popular across the world right now, because Kevin Durant is always doing something on an annual basis, whether it's winning a championship, whether it's changing teams, whether it's signing a huge extension, whether it's playing in the Olympics, these guys are everywhere and they're constantly on the move. They're constantly flexible. Baseball needs more of that. Baseball needs more transactions, more names moving, more Chicago White Sox teams that are building the right way, but also not afraid to go out and take a stab at something. That's the right move. And the Yankees have seemed like they're getting back to that. That's the best part of this, you know? And oh, by the way, I, I know I glossed over Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Danny Duffy moving to the Dodgers. I've already called my shot on that. Okay. I have the Dodgers in the World Series. Um, and there's no reason they shouldn't be. I understand the health issues they have and that the Giants are four games up. Just I, I expect this Dodgers team who they haven't been seen it on their hands. And that's the that's the reason why I didn't bring them up. They haven't done what the Yankees done, which is take try to take a few years off of being a major powerhouse, financially speaking. The Dodgers have been having the gas pedal down every year, all decade long. And that's why they're winners. And that's why they're at the top of the payroll. And that's why they're going to be taxpayers. They don't give an F, okay? They don't. They are acting like an LA team. They're acting like a team that wants to win four or five World Series this year, you know, in the next couple of years. And they didn't shy away from it at the deadline either. Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Danny Duffy. Two of those players have term. Max Scherzer is an unrestricted free agent. If it all goes well, I don't know how he leaves. I, I know he's, you know, been rumored at many of other places, including going back to Washington, which seems ridiculous, but I didn't mean to gloss over them. It's just, I expected that from them. They've been doing that every single year now, every single year. It's good to see the Yankees back in that fold. It's good to see teams like the Giants starting to do that again. And it's good to see teams like the Blue Jays and White Sox getting involved in that conversation because they're in the right, the right window to do that of contention. All right, let's take a break and talk some football. Today's episode is brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, dedicated to serving the unique wealth management needs of athletes and top professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring sports professionals the financial solutions they need, including access to financing supporting prospective NFL and NBA athletes through the draft process. Find out more about the pre and post draft loan program at morganstanley.com slash GSE. It's morganstanley.com slash GSE. We're also sponsored by Balance Bridge Funding, providing capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balance Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost effectively, avoid broker fees, and there's no prepayment penalties if you pay it back early. 
Whether your client is currently under contract and simply needs a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent looking to invest or make a purchase on earnings from their next contract, or looking to borrow for any other reason, let Balance Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your clients. Visit balancedbridge.com today. All right, this next segment is for you, Dynasty Fantasy Football players. I love this time of year. I love it because the fantasy world and the real world, financially speaking, kind of cross paths. And I love kind of looking at this from my angle, which is free agents, extension candidates, trade candidates, because it matters to all you power players out there. If if you're on a team, a salary cap league that uses average salaries, you know, real average salaries of these NFL players, and you're, you're sitting there with Lamar Jackson right now, you know, you're not super pleased. You're probably, you've probably been trying to get away from Lamar Jackson for the past 18 months on your fantasy roster because his $2.3 million average salary is about to become 45. And that's not real tenable for many of your salary cap leagues out there. I get it. So that's the conversation I want to have here. Um, notable players at these power positions. And maybe some guys you're not even thinking of because, you know, I'm not just looking at the list of current free agents for 2022. I'm not just looking at extension eligible candidates from their current draft classes. But I've, you know, I've gone a couple of years down the line with these positions and said, hey, look at potential outs exist. Uh, you know, is player A going to be happy after this upcoming season if they're still great and they're on their current contract, but there's only two years left? I've got a couple of those guys mixed in here as well. So I'll quickly run through this list. I'm also going to post this on .com and uh, you'll be able to kind of take a look at players that I, I project could have a major change in average salary in the next, eh, maybe, you know, right now, from right now to maybe 12 months from now. You know, some of these guys in the list are, will be eligible after the upcoming season, right? Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, Josh Jacobs. That's your 2019 draft class who need that third year of eligibility to get themselves an extension, but it's almost certain it's going to happen right away. You know, that's just where we're going with these, with these rookie, rookie wage scales. So some notable names from this list, of course, I'll start with the quarterbacks, but I'm going to start backwards. I'm going to start with a couple of names you probably aren't thinking of if you own these players. One, yes, you're thinking of them, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Because look, whether he stays or whether he goes, and I'm not even going to put a label on that yet. He's not going to be in this current contract in 2022. Okay. The restructure did enough, in my opinion, to say, we're just going to make you happy now for the next eight months. We're going to get ourselves to February. And if your thinking is still the same, you know, don't want to be long-term in this organization anymore. You want to finish your career somewhere else, or you're going to walk away and retire. You know, there's another reason something's going to change with this contract because if he gets traded to the Denver Broncos, you know, a prime example, they're going to start over. They're going to want some cap flexibility in 2022. He's going to want a signing bonus. There's a lot of things that are going to come into play here. Uh, You know, and he's always maxed out. He's always been, I want to be the highest average paid player in the game. So unless he comes off that pedestal, it's going to be a significant contract. He's at 33 and a half right now in terms of his average salary. We know where things are going. You know, Josh Allen just raised the bar a little bit. Lamar's going to raise it again. If Baker has his gear, he's going to raise it next February, next March. And then, like I said, Kyler's coming. Maybe Daniel Jones is coming. There's plenty of blood in, in this quarterback money to really skyrocket this thing towards the $50 million mark. And you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers is looking at that saying, that's a nice round number. 
It's a nice round number, but it's not going to be cap flexible. So something's happening with Aaron Rodgers' contract next February, next March. Count on it. So the 33 and a half is going to be a one-year deal. That's it. Russell Wilson is in the same boat. I don't think Russell Wilson's getting traded. I don't know what the hell that was. Just trying to put some pressure on his organization. Fine. It didn't really work. <laughs> okay. Because the left tackle is holding out right now. Uh, they paid the running back. I, I don't know. DK Metcalf's on this list, by the way. He's going to get $25 million a year. So I, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that offensive line if you're Russell Wilson. But oh, by the way, I don't think it's going to stop him from wanting a new contract after this year. He's at $35 million per year. He was the highest paid player at the time of his signing, jumping ahead of Aaron Rodgers. He'll have two years left on his deal. That's generally when he his camp has said, time to rip it up. And it's probably the right age for him to do it too. You know, you want to lock yourself in for another four-year extension with those two years remaining. Now is the time to do it before you're, you really start to creep up there a little bit or even show some decline on the field. He's still a hell of a player. So I expect after 2021 that, that Russell Wilson restructures extension that will take him well north of $35 million where he has, he's at now. You know, I'm... If we're, if we're going off our market values, which it, it's, you know, it's tough to do that right now with the weird season last year and we're heading into a season right now. So a lot of things are going to change. It's going to be fluid week to week. But Russell Wilson is the highest marketed value player in spot track. And he has been all year. Not Lamar Jackson, not Josh Allen, not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP last year. I've got him at about 42 and change in terms of a market value, mostly because he's 37. Russell Wilson's only 31, going, going into 32 here. He's, he yields a $46.4 million valuation in our system right now. So if you're sitting there with 35, you're getting value from Russell Wilson. It's probably tough for you to fit that in as it is. Just know that come next March, that could be a $46 million plus average salary for Russell Wilson going forward. So something to think about right now as you're drafting, as you're, as you're moving around, maneuvering your roster, if you hold Russell Wilson, it's probably a good time to take a young, cheap rookie or somebody that you need to take a flyer on right now as, as a backup role for 2021, because it's going to get really expensive, in my opinion, to keep Wilson long term here. A little bit of a different situation, but that could be just as beneficial. I'm going to make this my best value player, maybe in the whole, the whole lot of it. I, I, I think Derek Carr is in a really good situation right now. Um, they have drafted well, even though it's been really weird in Vegas. I, I, and I don't think the defensive side of has gone well at all. But from a weapons standpoint, and, and I think from an offensive line standpoint, after that crazy overhaul, they're really happy with what they have right now. And Derek Carr's been above average. He's been good. He's had a couple of down years, but I think that's going to happen when there's so much turnover in that organization. And there has been coaching everywhere, all over the place. I think they're kind of settling in and I'm not saying this team's going to be great, but they should be good enough to be competitive every single week. And I think Derek Carr can excel in that situation. And I think he should. He's currently at two years remaining. Next year is about 19 and change. There's no dead cap. There's nothing. It's a total rip up year in 2022 for Derek Carr. So it's either he tanks, he's awful and they're in the Aaron Rodgers market or they're in the, a, a draftable quarterback market and it's going to be a Jimmy Garoppolo type situation for Carr or he's above average again the Raiders win a couple more ball games this year some of these rookie wide receivers and, and Jacobs and Kenya Drake do their thing and this offense really starts to have some rhythm to it 
and and Derek Carr is certainly going to get rewarded for that. So he's not, in my opinion, going to be forty million plus. He's coming at twenty five million right now. I've got him valuing just at about thirty two million. But a good year is going to push this. A good year and many more contracts. Right? If Wilson goes, if Lamar goes, if Baker goes, Derek Carr's a year younger than Russell Wilson. So if I'm telling you Russell Wilson might go forty six million a year. And Derek Carr might go 36 on a max, 35, 36, which is going to be like the set, like the third tier of quarterback pay after, yeah, really, next March. I think that's about right. Now, is Derek Carr at 36 million just not enough value for you? That That's debatable. That's for your own, you know, what kind of production does your league need out of the quarterback position? Are you better off just going and taking Ryan Fitzpatrick at 5 million a year, wherever the hell he ends up next year if he's still playing? Possibly, you know, it might not make sense long term to keep him, but I'm I'm just telling you he's probably trending upward from a production standpoint, and I don't think the the leap is going to be as great as some of these other quarterbacks. I mean, Lamar's going from two and a half to forty five. I, I think Derek Carr's going from twenty five to thirty five, maybe at the max. Maybe maybe that's exactly what his jump w- will be over the next course of six to eight months with a contract extension. I do think it's coming. I just don't think it's going to be a huge one. So that's a name I'd really watch if I owned him right now or if I'm looking for a way to get cheaper out of the $40 million range, right? Matthew Stafford is the last quarterback I have to mention with, with some frivility here. Uh, he's at $27 million per year right now, which at that time was big. You know, He's restructured four times. He's one of the business hall of famers Andrew Brandt mentioned a couple of weeks ago on this show. Um, they just want to see it. They just want to give it one more year, one year in, in, in Los Angeles to see how it goes. I don't think anybody thinks it's going to go poorly. You shouldn't. Matthew Stafford is a ridiculously talented quarterback. He's in a his home setting out there. He's in a very good coach team. He's in a very good rostered team right now. And the defense should really carry that team through the 2021 season, which helps. It, it helps from a mental standpoint, from a health standpoint. I think the Everything's set up for Matthew Stafford to have a gigantic year. Two years left currently, same as Derek Carr. Next year can be a, a total throwaway. No dead cap for the Rams. They can just rip it up and start over, and they will. Matthew Stafford's 33 and change in terms of age. So I don't think that's that's any reason to say he can't be the highest paid quarterback in football if he has the kind of year he might have. You know, if he's if he's an MVP candidate and the Rams are at or near the, the Super Bowl come February, I, I don't know what you do there. So buyer beware on Matt Stafford. You're getting good value, in my opinion, this year with the $27 million AAV and the roster he's going to. But that value could be completely out the door next year, knowing what could be coming. He, I mean, every time he does a contract, it's huge, huge. So he's kind of been in the Aaron Rodgers camp. If, you, if you'd love... Aaron Rodgers at 33 and a half this year. Just know it's going to change next year. I'd put Matt Stafford in that exact same conversation. I love him. I love the team. I love I'll love to watch him play quarterback. I don't know if I'd love to draft him or own him, uh, knowing what's coming with that contract. Other than that, I mentioned the rookies, right? Daniel Jones is a maybe after this year. Kyler Murray's almost a certainly yes after this year to go from 8.9 up to this $40 million mark. Baker Mayfield most likely gets done by next March. He's pushing the $40 million mark. Lamar's going to get done at some point. Uh, we know where that's going to go. 
And the other names to watch this year, you know, what happens with a Marcus Mariota? Does he find a starting spot in 2022? Mitchell Trubisky, does he find a starting spot? And of course, the Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill situation. That's a who knows. They're both on one-year deals. Just something to watch. You know, if Jameis is the 17-week starter on five and a half million, that's good stuff. He's going to throw the ball. You know, it's Sean, Sean Payton's going to throw the ball. So that's value for 2021. If you're looking for, like I said, one of those smaller quarterbacks to bring in, maybe to back up a Matt Ryan or something like that on your roster. Jameis at five and a half, that's, that's very draftable in my opinion. No question about it. Okay. I'm going to stop at quarterbacks today. Keep it short and sweet. I'll come back next show. We'll do running backs and tight ends. Then we'll have a whole, a whole show on wide receivers because there's a lot. There's a lot of extension eligible. There's a lot of 2019 you know, draft picks will be extension eligible after this year. And there's a lot to unpack, a lot of moving parts with wide receivers. So next show, dynasty running backs, extension candidates, trade candidates. There's a couple of those. And then tight ends as well, because there's probably half a dozen of those as well I could bring into this conversation. So hope you enjoyed that. Any questions? Obviously, I left names out. I was I was really talking about the, the notable players. If you have... You know, if you if you have you own somebody or you want to draft somebody or you want to trade for somebody in giant dynasty football in terms of the quarterback position and you don't know quite where it's going to go, right? If he's on a $5 million now, where's he going to be in 2022? Hit me up at Spotrek on Twitter. I love answering those kind of questions. I'll give you my best breakdown of where I think it might be going, how it might shake down and uh, happy to help in that regard for sure. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for plenty of news like this. There's a fantasy section on The Athletic, by the way, as well. 40% off your first year with the uh, slash track at the end of the, at the URL. And of course, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Check out morganstanley.com slash GSC to get started today. And balancedbridge.com. Funding solutions for professional athletes since 2015. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast. 